So great. I'm stuck. I'm stuck. Oh, it's great to see you. It has been uh, not so easy when it's just been uh, looking at a camera. Now I can see who falls asleep, so that's going to be great. Um, no, it's amazing. It's so been so good uh, that we can meet together. If your kid is uh, under three years old and is going nuts, there is a chance to go in and play in there. Uh, if the technical things work, you will be seeing my smiley face and hearing my voice. So that's an option for you if that would be good for you and your kid. I'm super excited. I'm a little bit hard at the time of showing it, but I'm actually really excited about having you guys here. Uh, even though you have not been here, I have enjoyed going through um, the process of growing up. So now I have uh, glasses because I'm more than 40 years old and I can't see the screen anymore. Uh, so I had to grow into that. Um, this is a very weird introduction. Um, uh, <laughs> All right. Let's just, I'll just pray one more time just to get us <laughs> Heavenly Father, thank you so much that we can come. Lord, thank you for your word. Um, I pray as we're looking into Acts here and into what you're already doing and what you call us to do, Lord. Lord, I, come, I ask that you come and meet us here like you did with Paul. Also, that all of us had the same hope that Joseph has just expressed. Lord Jesus, we would know that you are near and because of you, we should not fear. So Lord, I pray that you would grace us with that through your Holy Spirit to understand that, the joy of your salvation as well. May be to your praise and your honor, we ask in Jesus' name, amen. So uh, when we left Paul last week, he was uh, escorted out of uh, out of Athens into Corinth. And, and uh, as I just alluded to last time, Corinth is actually more important at this point in time than Athens is. It's also very large. It's about 700,000 people. Um, so this, as you can see, this is from the Agora where the temple is. And so it's views down uh, towards the sea. Um, and so we'll see some of the remains there of Corinth, ancient Corinth. Um, it's a very interesting story because um, there was a huge earthquake and the, and the half of the city, the one there's also Corinth, modern Corinth, they all left and moved like three miles to the side so then you could start excavating this place. And so I had the joy of being there. Uh, so you can see at Agora up there, that temple up there, or the thing up there is the temple where there's a thousand prostitutes of to uh to um to the uh what's it called what's her name her name is aphrodite so corinth was known their religion was known to have a cult of aphrodite and so you can see up there on there there was a thousand sacred prostitutes and slave princesses the corinth corinth was known as a place that had even uh like D, no, what do you call it? You can't just change slides, Abel. I'm still, 
I'm still speaking. <laughs> Corinth was even Corinth was even known to be um, licentious and sexually active in ways that even the Romans thought was too much. So Corinth is known as like this place, and and the you might also understand why the letters to Corinth are have this theme a lot. There's a lot of sexual things. There's a lot of things that that Paul is trying to correct there. Corinth was, for many reasons, was a huge. It's its, it's geographical placement. It had two ports. It's, I will. T- if you want more, know more. I'll tell you more. Uh, Corinth kind of get destroyed and passed, and Caesar moves in new people and rebuilds the whole thing. So that's actually where we're at now. If you want to know more about Corinth, I oh, I want to say something about this this one though. So, uh, as Abel just already shown, if you know um, the letter to Corinthians, what you see there is the human courts, and the thing there is called the beamer. So that would be the seat, that was the place where you would be dragged in if you had a court session. So you had the Roman officials there court, uh, um, uh, giving you a sentence. And then up there you had the false, false temple up there. So this picture is taken to see like, oh, say, okay, so there's a human court and there's a false court. But my hope is in the one true real judge. Then if you take the next one, you can see what that pole is for. So that's our guide showing what would happen to you. If they uh, condemned you, you would hold on to that one and they will whip you as as you held on to that one. Uh, He was a brilliant guy. He had the Bible and we were driving through Athens and he was saying all these. It was a fantastic trip. I would have uh, loved it to last a lot longer. All right, let's go to the text. So you can take out your Bibles and go to Acts 18. We'll read the first part, and we will read through 17. This is the word of the Lord. Let's read together. After this, Paul left Athens and went to Corinth. And he found a Jew named Aquila and a native of Pontius, recently come to Italy with his wife Priscilla, because Claudius had commanded that all the Jews leave Rome. And he went to see them, and because they were of the same trade, he stayed with them and worked, for they were tent makers by trade. I'm putting on my glasses, I can't see anything. What happens? Andrea, stop laughing. You have glasses yourself. And he reasoned in the synagogue every Sabbath and tried to persuade the Jews and the Greeks. When Silas and Timothy arrived from Macedonia, Paul was occupied with the word testifying to the Jews that the Christ was, Je- the Christ was Jesus. And when they opposed and reviled him, he shook off his garments and said to them, you blood be a, Your blood be on your own heads. I am innocent. From now on I will go to the Gentiles And he left them there and went to the house of a man named Titus Justus, a worshiper of God. His house was next door to the synagogue. Crispus, the ruler of the synagogue, believed in the Lord together with his entire household. And many of the Corinthians, hearing Paul, believed and they were baptized. 
And the Lord said to Paul one night in a vision, do not be afraid, but go on speaking and do not be silent for I am with you. And no one will attack you to harm you for I have many in this city who are my people. And he stayed a year and six months teaching the word among them. But when Gallio was proconsul of Achaia, the Jews made a united attack on Paul and brought him before the tribunal. That's the one we just, just saw. Saying this man is persuading people to worship God contrary to the law. But when Paul was about to open his mouth, Gallio said to the Jews, if it was a matter of wrongdoing a victim's crime, O Jews, I would have reason to accept your complaints. But since it's a matter of questionings about words and names of your own law, see it to yourself. I refuse to be a judge of these things. And he drove them from the tribunal. And they seized Thosthenes, the ruler of the synagogue, and beat him in front of the tribunal. But Gallio paid no attention to any of this. This is the word of the Lord. I would like to just take the, if you take the slide from, from First um, Corinthians. Oh, I cannot move my head, then I can't see anything. Um, easy. So this is, uh, this is the state of mind that we have Paul in. And I think it really struck me that he's been kicked out of a bunch of cities. Uh, he's been beaten in some of them. And last time he was, just, he was transported by, by boat or far away and he's alone. And then he walks from Corinth, uh, no, from Athens to Corinth. And so in the letters of Corinthians, we can see what kind of state of mind he's in. And when I came to you, brothers, did not come claiming to you the testimony of God with lofty speech or wisdom. For I, to know, I decided to know nothing among you except Christ Jesus and him, him crucified. And I was with you in weakness and in fear and much trembling. And my speech and my message was not impossible words of wisdom, but in demonstration of the spirit and power so that your faith might not be rest in the wisdom of men, but in the power of God. So just thinking about, I was thought it's so helpful. Paul's been, he's been beaten. He's been chased from one place to another. And here he says to the Corinthians, you know, the whole, the, what I wanted to tell you about was Jesus and him crucified. Not because I was good at speaking, not because of all these things, but, but you heard the words and they were wisdom and they were the power of God. Not me with all these fancy sayings. Because you know what? I was afraid. And I was weak. So even thinking that, just thinking that's how Paul goes into this. I think it's the beauty of what we're going to see later, how God just meets him so much and speaks to right those things. But Paul, he keeps on doing what he's always done when he goes to minister to people, new place, where there is a synagogue. And this is one of the places where there was a synagogue because a lot of displaced Jews was also there. There's actually probably a lot of Jews there. 
We saw some places they don't have a synagogue. You have to have at least 10 men to found a synagogue. Here it was a synagogue, thriving even. Even trying to proselyte some of the other people. Paul goes in, as we've seen him do. He tries to persuade the Jews and the Greeks. And so he does that. And uh, in the process of that, he meets somebody. Well, he actually meets somebody first. And Paul, uh, what's his name? He's not Paul. Luke, that writes the book of Acts, he, he, uh, he uses this literary uh, writing device where he introduces people in the transition. So he's making a transition now, and he introduces these people that are actually not going to be used until next chapter. Uh, so uh, Aquila and Priscilla is introduced here. And more than introduced because they have the same trade. And one of the things I didn't say about Corinth is that Corinth is also known for the Isthmian Games, biggest games except the Olympic Games, and they are also focusing on music and different other things. So every four years there will be this, or two times every four years, uh, there will be this huge festival because there's all these people saying, they can't be three people being ten biggest in that city. Well, uh, surely it could, because if there's 700,000 people, but they might have had houses. But then we will have these festivals and Olympians, uh, which is not Olympians, but uh, Isthmian Games. A lot of people would have to have places to stay. So it would be a great market to sell tents. So, they, so he stays together with them, and they have their business together, and they keep making tents but when he's not making tents, he's reasoning with the people in the synagogues. And even also when finally his friends come. Finally, Silas and Timothy arrive. But what is Paul doing? He's doing what he always does. He's in, he's in the synagogue reasoning, witnessing that Jesus is the Christ. So everything's back to normal. Uh, the great thing about t- Timothy and Silas coming, they're bringing good news from the other churches that they have planted. And not actually, not only good news, we also read in some of the other letters, they're actually also bringing financial aid to Paul as well. But now it's gone so well so far. <laughs> but the, uh, but the, the people will pay, oppose Paul and they slander him. The Jews, so at some point they don't want to listen to him anymore in the synagogue. And so I think there's a beautiful, uh, I don't know if it's a beautiful, but we see the reaction Paul has. He shakes out his garments. I think maybe the slides from uh, Matthew, Ezekiel, Ezekiel side. I got both, I got both. So, so Paul has been warning people about who Jesus is and that judgment will come. So here from Ezekiel, it's a, Ezekiel, Ezekiel is asked to keep, keep speaking to the Jews that they have to turn back. And, and, Paul, and God is like holding me accountable. If you don't, if you don't do this, it, the blood's on your head. But if you, keep, if you keep saying, warning people, it will be on their head. So Paul has been warning the people and saying, turn back, Jesus is the Christ. But they don't want to hear it. So now, also as Paul says, your blood be on your own head. But then if you take the Matthew passage, this is when, when, um, when Paul, um, 
not Paul, but Jesus is sending out the disciples. He says this, if people don't want to receive you, shake off the dust from the feet, from your feet when you leave that house or town. Truly I say to you, it will be more bearable on the day of judgment than for the land of Sodom and Gomorrah for that town. So again, it's a sign that because you have rejected this, you will be judged because you do not want to listen that Jesus is the Messiah. So Paul has done all he can in that synagogue. They kick him out. The great thing is that Paul just moves next door. <laughs> I think it's funny. He just moves ne- next door to, uh, to Justice's house. Titus Justice. And he just keeps teaching. He just keeps going. Telling that Jesus is the Christ. <laughs> and in a fantastic, ironic twist of events, the ruler of the synagogue becomes a believer <laughs> and joins the next door. So that's really just good. I think it's just so interesting to see, like, they're kicking him out. Well, God just converts the guy who <laughs> runs the synagogue, and now he's a part of the new meeting place next door. Not only him, but the whole his whole family gets baptized and then the words, and many Corinthians believed. So God is still working through Paul, and he's saved. There are many people are being saved. Many people are being brought to, uh, to know Jesus. And then we bring to this verse, where I really think we see a lot of what Joseph has said so far. God comes to Paul in a vision. Paul's been (laughs) rejected and beaten and stoned, left for dead, fleeing from one place to another. Paul comes in the night. We read that he's afraid. And Paul and and, uh, God comes to him and says, do not be afraid. He meets him in his weakness and do not be afraid. Then he also says, but go on speaking. But all the trouble, God, has been from me speaking. No, keep going, God says. Paul went to say, why why should I keep going? And he says, because I am with you. So Paul, don't be afraid. But I might be afraid. Don't be afraid because I'm with you. But Lord, why would I go on speaking? Don't be afraid. No one is going to attack you for harm because I have many people who are my people in this city. So, Paul, don't be afraid. I'm with you. Keep speaking. No one's going to attack you and harm you because there's many people here who need to know who I am. Many people who need to know and be saved. Paul's reaction is that he stays for a year and six months and teaches the word around him. Just a short note that this text talks about. In a fancy word, it's called election and predestination. 
I think a lot of times we get this wrong and focus on the wrong things. Because God comes to Paul in this situation and comforts him and motivates him to keep speaking. He promises him that if he keeps going, there are more people who would know and who will believe. Election and predestination in all of its time is about encouraging the believers to keep going when it is not easy. Because even us here who don't think it's easy to share, God says, I have people in the city and they need to know there are people to have to hear about me. I will say they are my people. There are people here that will know me. We have it also saying that God speaks, I chose you before the world began. What does it speak to our hearts today as well? Shows us that we're not random atoms. We're not accidents. We have a purpose. And a God who has created us. And if we believe we've been loved that greatly, it should spur us on to love other people like that. That they might experience the same grace and mercy and they would know that they're not random atoms, but they have a creator, God, and even a savior that they can believe in, that they should not fear. There's not even fear death. But with f- be filled with longing for his return. Can you take the Ephesians 4? One. He predestined us for adoption to himself as sons through Christ Jesus, according to the purpose of his will, to the praise of his glorious grace, with which he has blessed us in the beloved. In him we have redemption through his blood, the forgiveness of our trespasses, according to the riches of his grace, which he lavished upon us in all wisdom and insight. All these things that sometimes can be devices of election appreciation is so much about encouraging the believer in who God is and in keep going that people will respond to the gospel. And it's for the praise of his glorious grace. It was not because we were great. It was because he is great and awesome. Then when Galio is pro-council, we read there in the end, there's a united attack on Paul. And at this point, if I was Paul, God, dude, God, you told me they were not going to beat me up. Well, he doesn't get beat up, but... He still gets thrown in thrown or taken in front of the beamer seat and they start accusing him. And some people say oh, this guy is not maybe the nicest guy in the whole world. Because when he hears them it's about Jewish disputes about who they can worship, he's just like, Yeah, and I'm not gonna judge about that because I don't care. Figure it out yourself. And then they land and he he throws them out of the court. And then, for <laughs> slightly unknown reasons, they they they, they grab the Sosthenes and just to start beating him. And I don't, 
this is all sorts of things. This is like they don't like the Jews. The Jews were annoying. The, I, so later on, this guy becomes a believer. Maybe that was part of it. Um, you might say to me, like, so what has that to do about with us today? Good question, and I'm going to answer that. What a faithful God we have. He comes to Paul in his weakness. He speaks the words of comfort and hope. He reminds Paul about who he is, but also on who Paul is and what Paul's vision or mission is. It's a mission where he will suffer because Jesus said so, but he was going to be a witness of the risen Jesus. We have three more scriptures. We'll just take them one at a time. There's these great promises. It's for Paul and for us. So if you just take the first one of those, which is probably from Isaiah. Fear not, for I am with you. Be not dismayed, for I am your God. I will strengthen you. I will help you. I will uphold you with my right hand. Paul is the one who quotes Isaiah the most. So maybe he also was encouraged by God with this verse. And Jesus, he said to his disciples, if you take the next one. Well, the author of Hebrews said, keep your life free from the love of money and content, be content with what you have. For he said, I will never leave you or forsake you. So we can say confidently. Next slide. The Lord is my helper. I will not fear. What can man do to me? You might just be saying, well, I'm afraid of a lot of things. Let's talk about that. The great truth is that in Christ, we do not have to be afraid. That doesn't mean that we are not afraid. The enemy, the devil, wants you to be afraid. He wants to silence you. He wants you to be overwhelmed. wants you to be stressed. wants you to be in over your head. Wants you to fight on your own in your own strength and leave you discouraged so that you would not fight anymore. We're called not to fear because who God who because of who God is. That does not mean that in this world there's not tons of things we can fear. The question is like when do we fear? Well, if we're in the corner fearing, we're no threat to darkness at all. How will we just shine our light if we hide under a table? If we're pacified by TV or the internet or lots of other pursuits, if we fear tomorrow, if we fear the afternoon, if we fear the morning, 
if we fear what other people say about us, if we fear if people think we're bad parents, if we fear what other people think about us, we will be no match for the evil one. But we, had already, we have already believed all the lies to quiet us, to give in, to be afraid. Because what do we fear? What is it that we fear? Somebody counted in the Bible, there's 365 days, fits one for a day, where the Bible says, do not fear. But what makes you afraid? What happens to us when we are afraid? When fear overcomes us, we stop trusting in God. Or could you say it's the other way around? That we, when we stop f- trusting God, fear overcomes us. Then we stop doing what he, call, what he has called us to. Now I'm going off script. How many times did you have a thought about doing something good for somebody else? And that, that thought was from God. Three seconds later, you had another thought. And it was going to give me, and it made you afraid. What are, you, what are they going to think about me? What if they, what if they think I'm weird? That has happened to me. Definitely. Get a good thought from God about blessing somebody else. All of a sudden, something sneaks in about us. like, Oh, but what? What about that? I've used this example before a long time ago. When I just became Christian, I just wanted to do good things for people. I'll walk around and see like a bicycle that fell over. It's like, oh, I'll put this back up. I did that a while, and then the thought struck me. Oh, but what if what if what if they think I'm stealing the bike? What if they think I'm doing something to that bike? No, it's a dumb ex- it's a little example, but it, we're trying. If you're trying to do something good, a lot of times something else will come up and says, "No, they're not going to receive that." You have the you you. Oh man, I had it today. I had it today. I should pray for this lady's shoulder. And I was like, "Oh, that's kind of weird." I didn't do it. Fear paralyzes us. And we don't walk in the things that God has set for us to walk in before we, the world began. What if there's absolutely nothing for us to fear? What if we're already dead in Christ and death is gain? We will be untouchable. Nothing could make us afraid. But we live here. And we know that it's very easy to become afraid. And that is why you need, so why all of us need to hold on to these scriptures. And also the situation where Paul is so down that God meets him right there and comforts him and says, do not be afraid. Why not be afraid? Because I am with you. I will not leave you. I will not forsake you. I'm with you. Keep doing the things that I've asked you to do because there are more people who have to know 
about my love for them. We get this chain we get a chance to repent, to change our mind, to trust in Jesus' work and not my own. Because if you're a little bit like me, <laughs> sometimes it's like, I can do this, I can do this. But I don't have an ability to overcome my own fear. No. Only by trusting in Jesus and letting him take my fear and overwhelm me with his love, his grace, his mercy. Looking at the cross to see that there's the shame, the pain, the guilt. All the accusations has been taken away. Whatever somebody thinks about me is gone. Because that man is dead. You are dead if you are buried with Christ and raised to new life. All the condemnation has gone to the cross. We're only to be afraid of one person. And that's the one who showed us that he loves us the most and says to us we should not be afraid. And what all this leads to is like people today, we've talked about before, people today maybe be afraid of dying. They might be afraid of other things, might be afraid of judgment, and they maybe you sh- they should be. But here it's clear that if we've accepted Christ, there's no fear in death. And there's no fear because we will not be judged because his He has taken our judgment if we believe that he's died and rose again. So there is no thing that can accuse you or should cause us fear because Christ has taken the judgment and the pain. So it's not about how good we are at saying we're not afraid. It's not that we're not afraid. It's that when we become afraid, we remind one another to look to the cross and say, I do not have to be afraid because, God, you are with me. That we are safe in him. That he holds us near. And he's the one who says 365 times, do not be afraid. This is the gift of God. Christ Jesus. As, as Joseph just explained so well in the beginning. That's the gift. No fear. No condemnation. No pain. No guilt. Ability to reject all the d- lies of the evil one. But instead submit to Christ. Get his righteousness. And when those things come, we say, no, I don't have to be afraid. I'll run to Jesus. He's the one whom I am safe. I have way more, but we'll, we'll cut it here. If you want more, read Ephesians 1 and 2. If you want even more, read 1 John 4, 7 to 21, where God talks about what love is. The God is love, and in him 
he shows his love for us, for us while we were still sinners. Christ died for us. We didn't love him first. He loved us first. Ephesians 1 and 2 talks a lot about what, is it, or what are we like in Christ. We're redeemed, reconciled. And we do not have to be afraid. Predestined to be the praise of his glory. In him you also, when you heard the word of truth of the gospel of your salvation and believed in him, were sealed with the promise of the Holy Spirit who is the guarantee of your inheritance until we acquire possession of it to the praise of his glory. Amen. Lord God, we thank you so much for your love and your care for us and thank you so much for, thank you so much for coming to Paul here and just, saying to him in his weakness, do not be afraid. Keep speaking. I am with you. Lord, I pray for each of us here and anybody listening. You meet us all right there in our weakness, in our fears, in our failures, in our shame, in our pain and guilt. Lord Jesus, you, by your spirit, show us that all those things can be forgiven in you. Lord Jesus, I pray against the enemy, the world, and the flesh, all of the motivations we can have that has nothing to do with you. Lord, I really pray, help us to see those things and reject those as lies. Help us to know that we're dead, but alive, new, new creations in you. The old have passed away, the new has come. Lord, I pray for each person here, also the kids, that they would know they're not an accident. They're not just a bunch of atoms. We created in, in your image. And Lord, may, may we be good at shining your light that more people would see and know that they don't have to be afraid of death or anything because Jesus, you've shown us. You've shown us through your life, death, resurrection, and coming back, that true life is in you. So we thank you and we praise you. Be your beautiful name. Amen. You may rise up um, for the benediction. I'll put on my glasses. That's small. Oh, wait, I can see. Like I've been saying on the video, now you get to stand up and participate and receive this. So let's receive this. Where's it, where's it from again? And then it's from Romans. <laughs> now to him who is able to establish you according to the gospel and the preaching of Jesus Christ, according to the revelation of the mystery which has been kept secret for long past, but now it's been disclosed and through the scriptures of the prophets in accordance with the commandments of the eternal God has been made known to all the nations, leading us to obedience of faith. To the only wise God through Jesus Christ be glory forever and ever. Amen.
You may be seated. There's just one more song. And don't run away. I'll say something after the song. But you won't see it on the internet.